everybody. This is Greg Refner with the Abstract Podcast, and we have Ashley Zachs today, SDR team lead at Chili, uh, Chili Piper, and um, recently was named uh, Salesforce's one of Salesforce's top 16 influencers. So Ashley, please take a moment and say hi. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you too. Um, and it's a, it's a Friday and the caffeine hasn't kicked in yet. So I think my brain's working a little bit faster than my mouth. So I apologize <laughs> for that. Um, Ashley, I want to begin with a little bit of your background because I think it sets the tone for some of the things that we're going to dive into a little bit later. Um, you were originally in dance, which that's a whole other story, how you went from dance to, to tech sales, but maybe we'll stop in between there and talk about your time as a marketer at Bravado. Um, how did that how did that experience marketing for kind of like sales communities start to become an influencer in your ultimate decision to go into tech sales? Yeah, I love this question. So um, like you mentioned, Bravado uh, is a sales community and I was a very early employee there and, and helped build that uh, community. And from day one, we, you know, I was kind of knee deep in, in, the sales world. I mean, that was sort of my initial task was like, if, if I'm going to be building this brand and, and, and helping grow this company, then like, I need to know the ins and outs of, of who we're marketing to, right. And like, know their pains, know their struggles, know why we're building this thing, right. Why we're doing it in the first place. Um, and over the course of three years working there and like, you know, getting to meet some of the most incredible people, you know, the mission of the company was to, to elevate the profession of sales, demolish the stigma associated with the profession. And I mean, I have to admit that I, I probably had some of those biases in my own head of like what sales was or the typical salesperson looked like, you know, and the first few people that I met that worked with us, like some of our founding members, um, just like uh, blew my mind as far as, you know, they were not the stereotypical salesperson. Um, in fact, one person told me like, they didn't know they ever wanted to be in sales. In fact, that's most people's story, right? Like they yeah. don't choose to be in sales, they kind of fall into it. Um, but this person in particular, I remember they were telling me that, that they had all the similar thought patterns around what it meant to be in sales. Like they're not extroverted. They don't like lying to people, right? Like they didn't want to do all those things. Um, now they're one of the top salespeople at their company. They're great at what they do. They've been, they've, you know, got all kinds of awards from all kinds of people, right? Like, and uh, they were one of the top people on Bravado. Like, it's just, again, like, so being around that, I started, that was like kind of seed number one. And then as we grew the company, some of our pillar, or one of our pillars was um, around diversity and inclusion in sales. And uh, we talked a lot about trying to have sales, like, kind of broaden the idea of like what the salesperson looks like. Uh, and, and of course those negative stereotypes surrounding, surrounding the profession steer people away, especially under people in upper, underrepresented groups. So not a lot of women, not a lot of people of color. Um, and for myself, like that was something I was really passionate about. Uh, we, we hosted events, we sponsored events. We, we did a lot of things around this particular topic and at a certain point, it, for me, it wasn't enough. Like, 
I was tired of just talking about it and I wanted to actually do something about it. And I decided after some, a lot of self-reflection and thinking like what better way to like take action on this thing that I'm really passionate about and I care a lot about than to actually be the representation that I don't see. Uh, I'm a queer Latin woman and like, I don't see that in sales. I don't see that in sales leadership. So let me go be that. Love that. That's awesome. I love that. So kind of, um, I think there's a picture that I think everybody's seeing kind of the difference between a leader and a manager, right? A leader is someone in the front kind of leading the charge. Everybody's behind them. And then you have like a manager or someone who's kind of like shouting from the rooftops, but not actually doing anything about it. So you wanted to be that person that uh, you're going to talk about diversity and inclusion. Great. Go be that person. And then that kind of gives you almost a position of authority to, to talk about it, right? Like it's, it's, it means something when it's coming from you. Yeah. I mean, I, I have authority insofar as my own story and my own experience. I can't yeah. pretend to know anyone else's experience. Um, I just know that it's something that needs to be talked about. It's something that needs, I mean, so where I am now, you know, I, I'm, I'm very excited about where I'm at and there at the moment, there aren't too many women on the sales team, but not for, uh, it doesn't like going in. I remember having a conversation with our CEO early on after I got hired about that. And he was like, well, when you interviewed, like there was only one person, one woman on the sales team. And I was like, yeah, but there were other women in the team at large and there were other women in leadership positions on the, in the company. And so the, those were signals enough to me that the opportunity was there. The potential for that career path is there. Um, and you know, now we, we're at a place where we have 50% of our leadership positions are filled by women. Um, now we have, I think, a total, uh, at least on the like SDRAE part of the sales organization, there are, uh, I mean, doubled the amount of women, I think. So, you know, definitely moving in the in that direction, which is exciting. So, yeah, that's awesome. Well, let's um, let's get into a little bit about the the tactical day to day life of an SDR. We've never had uh, an, an SDR team leader or an actual SDR on our podcast yet, so I think you offer some unique perspective to our listeners. Um, and I'm going to use one of the words that we, that uh, was in your, in your article that you were mentioned in with Salesforce being ruthless with your time. Mm -hmm. And so um, I was an SDR myself. You are as an SDR, you're expected to research. You're expected to know the latest tech stack. You're expected to be sharp on the phone. You're expected to know how to speak the language, right? That's a full-time job in of itself. Um, and so you talk about being ruthless with your time management. Um, where do you, how do you find time doing that, but then also kind of being that, that shining light of, you know, Hey, if I can do it, you can do it. And, and being that positive influence for women who want to come into sales world. Um, you know, let's, let's start there. Cause that's, that's a tricky thing to, to kind of be everything at once and be successful at everything. Yeah, I mean, and I don't know if I would say I'm successful at everything. I'm definitely trying to do a lot and I enjoy it. And I think that's part of it. Like for me personally, like 
being an SDR, being a team lead, you called me, you know, an influencer, whatever that, is, you know, like I'm just, um, yeah, I'm just being me and, and I'm passionate about the things I'm passionate about. I am open and transparent and share. Uh, and I think that's just, so that makes it a little, uh, for lack of a better word, easier. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to like the day-to-day stuff, uh, life of an SDR, the, the tactical like activities that we're expected to do. I mean, this is a conversation I have almost daily with some of my reps on my team. Um, there are expectations and there are tools provided to help you execute on those expectations. Uh, obviously there's training and coaching provided as well in order to like, um, help build a process around that daily expectation. Uh, and sometimes it just doesn't happen, right? Like I had a, a newer rep come to me today. It was like, you know, I didn't really get to this particular activity metric. Like, I just wanted to let you know. And like, I, I think it's because I just let my day get away from me, whatever, whatever, right? Like PS, by the end of the day, he had actually completed the thing he was telling me he, he hadn't completed yet. So like, he, he ended up getting it done. Um, yeah. But in that moment, I was like, look, like some days it, we just can't do it all. Right. And I understand that. And the fact that you took ownership and you were communicative and transparent with me, like I can't, that's awesome. That's all I can ask for. Uh, and so that like trying to create a space where like, that's the relationship. That's the, that's the expectation. It's like, I don't expect you to be perfect. I'm not perfect. I hope you don't expect me to be perfect. Um, but I, I do, I do expect like clear, honest, transparent communication in that way. When you're very aware that like, maybe something's not going to happen that day that is expected of you, you just, you get in front of it and like, let me know right away. And like, that's fine. And then we can like work backward and figure out, well, okay, like how did your day get away from you? What, what actually happened and how can we address that is if it's even something that needs to be addressed. Right. Yeah. So I love that you just talked about that ownership, right? Um, it's so much easier to just be forthcoming with like, hey, I messed up than trying to defend it after, right? Mm-hmm. Such an easier conversation than actually coming to me at the end of the day and saying, why didn't you do this? Like hit it head on and yeah. just identify it and own it. Cause then it creates an environment where you can work together to solve the problem as opposed to trying to be defensive about it. So I think that's something that uh, I can't, I don't think can be reiterated enough And when you come from a position of empathy and understanding, it makes it so much easier for your team to feel like you've created that space where they can do those things. So it sounds like you've you've done the right thing there. I would would ask you that, um, was that something that was innate to you, Ashley, kind of who you are or have you had to work at kind of being that type of leader that creates that, you know, is that something that came natural or is it something you struggle with being every single day? That's a great question. Um, I, I, I mean, I, de- I don't, I don't want to like take full credit of being like, no, this is just me. I'm innately <laughs> awesome. Um, I think I've had really great mentors around me who I've, I am, constantly learning from I have really great coaches and 
I, I also pull a lot from my background. Like, you know, you touched on this in the beginning, like I come from a dance background, like there's, there's definitely different dance world experiences where on one side you have the really aggressive, like Russian ballerina teacher who's throwing <laughs> things at you and you're not doing things right. And then you have like a different, you know, artistic director who's very empathetic and like going to work with you. Like, I don't know, there's different leadership styles in every profession. And um, I guess just over the course of my experience, like I have witnessed sort of the more productive leadership styles or the ones where you care about the human being, not about the, the not job. the Russian dance instructor. I mean, I learned a lot from her, so I don't want to say that was a total waste, but like there were some tears shed. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. So maybe there's a, a time and a place, right. For, um, we have this internal thing here at abstract where we, uh, we say backhands and hugs. Um, you know, there's a time and place for both. And so a little bit of kind of punishment sometimes and then hugs other times. And so you got the Russian instructor versus um, the kind of the nice one, right? So- Well, and yeah. I think for to that point, I think it's very, then you have to, or at least what I have heard and what I try to do, like praise in public and- Yeah. Uh, Not punish in private, but- But yeah, like, yeah. you know, having those more difficult conversations in private, like that doesn't need to happen in front of the entire team, right? Like that's- yeah. Absolutely. So let's talk about difficult conversations heading to a topic here. Um, with someone who believes so passionately about diversity, inclusion, and, and trying to create that safe space, um, have you ever been in an environment actually where maybe that wasn't welcomed and you maybe butted heads with your peer, your manager, um, and it was, it led to some hard conversations and, you know, what was the outcome of something like that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I have been in those situations. And I think if you talk to any woman, they're going to tell you they have as well. Um, I think without throwing anybody under the bus, because I'm not really in the, I don't want to do that. Yeah, um, of course. Definitely have been places where I've, I've really struggled with sort of like decisions that were being made or, or actions that were or were not being taken um, and after speaking up about them and almost being placated and then seeing in action like it just you know it gets to a point where like eventually you kind of have to vote with, your, vote with your feet if you will which is, yeah. uh, you know and then and then you've got to leave because uh paycheck doesn't make up for like the stress or the frustration or anything. So um, in that same place, like I did have a difficult conversation with, with another coworker who came to me about a situation and at the time, and I was not equipped to have that conversation. And like, I look like even immediately after that conversation, I remember looking back at it and it still hurts my heart to like know that that conversation happened and I really didn't have the tools to help in the situation. And I, and unfortunately I didn't even have a, a, a direction in which to point this person because where we were, we didn't, there, were, there weren't any resources for that kind of stuff. So um, it was really frustrating. It was a learning experience for sure. And I, I recognized in that moment, like, that was so shitty and I don't ever want to be in that position again. 
And so like, A, I don't want to work in, in an organization like that again. And then B, like, I'm going to make sure that I do the work on myself to be able to like have those conversations in a more like to be able to provide some sort of help or direction at least if yeah. like if nothing else. Um, yeah. I mean, cause at the time I really just couldn't do anything. I could empathize and I could like listen. And then I, I literally was at a loss and like, didn't know what to do. And that was like one of the worst experiences that I've had in a, in a place of employment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but would it be a, a fair thing to say? And I appreciate you actually sharing that. I, I, I know sometimes digging those things up is a little challenging. Um, and, and probably maybe some people don't even know that you've been through those experiences, but almost some of those, those pains that people go through, I think some of the happiest people I know and some of those positive people I know have had some really dark times and they know what they don't want. And they, they felt the pain of being in that bad situation or the pain of not being able to help somebody. And as a result, they almost become more outspoken and more positive. And, and it kind of shapes who you are as a leader because you know, A, you don't want to be in that situation, but you, B, you also want to teach somebody the right way in the future if that situation ever comes up. So do you think that, uh, do you think that the, the reps that you've had the pleasure of leading, do you think that, you know, they know kind of what you've been through and, and why maybe that shapes the way that um, you kind of interact with them and, and treat them every single day? I don't know if they know the depths of like what I've been through, um, yeah. but we, we actually have had those conversations about our whys. Um, that's something that's really important to me. And, and nice. uh, you know, I, I, we did this individually um, and then we got together as a team and kind of talked through this. It was optional, like for those who wanted to share, but yeah. um, we like dug into our whys. And so like, why are you, here why are you in this role why you know and then you know you ask questions they answer it you ask another why why is that important to you they answer okay well why that so you get to like the core of you know why you get to get up to go to work every day like why are you excited because then even on the hard days which are can be frequent as an SDR, like, <laughs> you know, you've got your post-it note or your poster yeah. or your vision board or whatever it is that you can look at and be like, right, that's it. That's why I'm doing this every day. That's yeah. why I'm here. And so, um, so they do know my why. They do know why I'm in this role, why I'm in sales, why I'm in this organization. Like they do know that. Yeah. Yeah. Good. That's awesome. It's awesome that you are open to exposing that to your team members and um, kind of being open about that. And um, is it, have you read Simon Sinek start with why is that kind of, I haven't read it. I have heard about it. Yeah. Okay. If, if the why question is something that you find um, powerful to, to talk about, I think you would really enjoy the book. Um, so wrapping this up, Ashley, I, I, I know uh, our conversation went off a little bit off topic in terms of how we originally planned to spend our time, but I really do appreciate you kind of opening up and sharing a little bit because um, I don't think um, in our world where like social media and people um, want to be kind of seen as everything's good all the time. I think it's nice to know that the people that we look up to and that we learn from 
have some, some, some scars. And so I appreciate you kind of bearing those with us. Um, final question, then we'll wrap it up for our listeners who want to kind of be like you and, and, um, be an advocate for themselves, be a, be a voice of power, um, impact diversity and inclusion initiatives. What would be your biggest piece of advice for them when they're kind of maybe second guessing whether they want to do that or not? Whether they want to do what? Kind of speak up, um, kind of maybe change their career. Um, maybe, you know, they don't want to sit back anymore and just kind of let things be the status quo, but they want to stand up and, and kind of um, be that voice that says like, I'm going to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's a big question. <laughs> that's, that's a, uh, yeah. I mean, look, I, life is short and we only have one of them. And if you are not happy where you are, then make a move. And I realize that saying that it comes from a place of privilege like I don't, I know that some people don't have that, that luxury, right. When it comes to like your place of employment, like maybe you don't have the yeah. option of quitting your job. You need to provide for your family. I get that. Yeah. Um, but maybe you make a plan, right? Like maybe it's then if you know, you're not where you need to be and, and, uh, or maybe you are, and you're, you know, you, you just need to make a plan for yourself of like, well, okay, how can I make this work for me? And, you know, speaking up for yourself and advocating for yourself. I don't know if I have advice on like how to do that, but I do think one should do that. And it, it can be, it can be intimidating, but like everyone around you is a, a human being. Titles don't make a difference. I mean, maybe they went to a different school than you. Maybe they have an MBA. Maybe they have 10 plus years experience, but they're still a bag of bones just like you. And like, (laughs) I just, you know, if we can relate to each other on a human level and then, and then I think then that opens up some doors for some actual conversations where you can speak up for yourself. And because like advocating for yourself doesn't mean like, busting down the door and making demands and being loud, right? Like I'm not that. I, it's just knowing who you are first, knowing what you need and want, and then making a plan to get it. And I don't know. When you say it like that, it's so easy. Yeah. Well, and it's, <laughs> I, and it's really, it's, it is and it isn't right. Like it really is that simple, but it's not easy. I get that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love that. Who you are, what you want, and a plan to get it. That's awesome. Well, I have a couple of key takeaways here, Ashley. First off, um, again, thank you for opening up a little bit. Um, it's yeah. a, I know it's a, a little bit of a challenge, so I appreciate that. Um, for me, good reminders, you know, be willing to take ownership of what's wrong, um, whether it be personally or creating a, an environment where you're facilitating people being open to taking ownership of what's going on. Um, learn from your pain. I think pain is a valuable teacher in life. And I know it's not always fun in the moment, but um, as we learn from it, we can make sure to not experience again. And we can also help others not experience that same pain. And then third, um, we're all just a bag of bones. Uh, I'm gonna take that away. That's my third takeaway. 
Uh, but more importantly, kind of who you are, what you want, and what's a plan to get it. You know, when you start breaking it down into some micro steps, it makes it uh, a little bit less daunting as you start thinking about big life changes, like making a career change or, mm -hmm. um, you know, any type of big announcement you want to make. So I appreciate it, Ashley. Thank you very much. You're so welcome. Thank you for the conversation. This was, this was lovely. Perfect. Um, final thing, Ashley, for anybody who wants to learn more about you, get in touch with Chili Piper, book a demo, help you hit your number for the month. Yes, What's please. the best way to get a hold of Ashley? Uh, so I'm on LinkedIn, Ashley Zaxed. Uh, and then my email is ashley at chilipiper.com. Hit me up. Perfect. Enjoy the rest of your day, Ashley. Thank you. Thank you.